European Hearts Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 36, Issue 43, Focus Issue on Lipids, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Luscher. Cholesterol production, accumulation, reverse transport, and excretion. Opportunities for statins, PPAR-alpha agonists, and PCSK9 inhibitors. Guidelines for the Primary Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease, CVD, with statins, including the most recent, fail to make optimal use of current evidence by considering absolute CVD risk as a statin indication, but not the magnitude of the LDL or non-HDL cholesterol reduction, a major determinant of the therapeutic benefit. This issue is addressed in a current opinion entitled Cholesterol, Not Just Cardiovascular Risk, is Important in Deciding Who Should Receive Statin Treatment by Handrian Soran from the Central Manchester University Hospital in the UK. Dr. Soran reminds us that the LDL or non-HDL cholesterol decrease is proportional to its pretreatment concentration and, when incorporated into the calculation of the number needed to treat to prevent one event, NNT, such findings challenge recent guidelines. The NNT value excludes some individuals with higher cholesterol levels who may benefit more, while others are needlessly exposed to statins with little prospect of benefit. Furthermore, as outlined previously by Kausik and colleagues, abandonment of cholesterol therapeutic goals, as is recommended by the US guidelines, is disadvantageous to people with higher levels. These problems can be overcome by basing the decision to treat on the NNT, calculated both from the absolute CVD risk and also on the LDL or non-HDL cholesterol reduction achievable with statin treatment. Already existing computer programs to estimate CVD risk could be easily amended to permit deployment of statins in the population more effectively. After its production in the liver via the HMG coenzyme A pathway, LDL cholesterol accumulates in the subendothelial space. There it is modified and becomes an antigen leading to an activation of inflammatory pathways. This in turn leads to the development of the so-called vulnerable plaque, which is considered to be the culprit of acute coronary syndromes. Peter Libby and colleagues from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston argue in their current opinion article, Requiem for the Vulnerable Plaque, that this construct now merits reconsideration. The coronary tree and other arterial beds of a patient with atherosclerosis usually harbours multiple rather than solitary thin-capped lipid-rich plaques. Surprisingly, such plaques seldom provoke clinical events. The risk profile demographics and clinical presentations of patients with acute coronary syndromes are changing worldwide. As ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction, STEMI, wanes, the proportion of acute coronary syndromes due to non-STEMI increases. Importantly, the wide use of statins, curbing tobacco abuse, and other preventative measures have modified the composition and the biological features of plaques. As a consequence, today a greater proportion of acute coronary syndromes may now arise from plaque erosion rather than cap rupture. Thus, the changes in clinical manifestations and the concomitant evolution in the characteristics of plaques and their thrombogenicity 
that provoke acute coronary syndromes will have important implications for research, prevention and clinical practice. A population at particularly high risk is that with chronic kidney disease. The value of cholesterol lowering in preventing cardiovascular disease has now been established in patients with chronic kidney disease at high cardiovascular risk. However, as outlined by Vlado Perkovic from the George Institute for Global Health at the University of Sydney in Australia, in his clinical review, Lowering Cholesterol in Chronic Kidney Disease, Is It Safe and Effective? While several studies demonstrated substantive benefit of statins in early chronic kidney disease, their effects in end-stage CKD remain controversial. Recent studies have further suggested that the renal effects of different statins may be heterogeneous, and their safety in this population remains uncertain. Warnings by the US Food and Drug Administration related to potential side effects such as memory loss and diabetes have stimulated uncertainty about the true value of statins for high-risk populations. Thus, the authors critically review current evidence for the benefits and risks of statin therapy for kidney and cardiovascular disease progression in renal patients. PCSK9 has been identified as an important regulator of LDL receptor expression levels of hepatocytes, which in turn importantly regulates plasma LDL cholesterol levels. Great hopes therefore lie in potential effectiveness of PCSK9 inhibitors in patients at very high risk such as those with familial hypercholesterolemia. In the first fast-track clinical research paper, Odyssey FH1 and FH2, 78-week results with alirocumab treatment in 735 patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia by John J.P. Kasteline and colleagues from the Academic Medical Center at the University of Amsterdam in the Netherlands report on the long-term effects of alirocumab in patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia and inadequate LDL-C control on maximally tolerated lipid-lowering therapy. In two randomized double-blind studies, i.e. Odyssey FH1 and Odyssey FH2, 535 patients were randomized to alirocumab, 75 mg, or placebo biweekly. The dose was increased at week 12 to 150 mg biweekly if at week 8 LDL cholesterol was equal or higher than 1.8 millimoles per liter. With alirocumab, mean LDL cholesterol decreased impressively from 3.7 millimoles per liter to 1.8 millimoles per liter at week 24 in Odyssey FH1, and from 3.5 millimoles per liter to 1.8 millimoles per liter in Odyssey FH2, and these reductions were maintained through week 78. An LDL cholesterol level below 1.8 millimoles per liter was achieved at week 24 in around two-thirds of alirocumab-treated patients. Alirocumab had to be discontinued due to adverse events in around 3.5%. Injection site reactions in alirocumab-treated patients occurred in around 12%. The authors conclude that in patients with heterogeneous familial hypercholesterolemia and inadequate LDL cholesterol levels, despite maximally tolerated lipid-lowering therapy, alirocumab resulted in an impressive further lowering of LDL cholesterol and greater achievement of target levels and was well tolerated. The manuscript is accompanied by an informative editorial authored by Ulrich Laufs from the Universität des Saarlandes in Hamburg, Germany. 
High-density lipoproteins, HDL, are considered as anti-atherogenic. Recent experimental findings suggest that their biological properties can be modified in coronary artery disease by dysfunction of protective antioxidant enzymes and accumulation of proteins such as serum amyloid A. In a clinical research article entitled Serum Amyloid A, SAA, High-Density Lipoproteins, HDL Interaction and Cardiovascular Risk, Timoteus Speer and colleague from the Saarland University Hospital in Hamburg, Germany, examined the associations of serum amyloid A and HDL cholesterol with mortality in the Ludwig Schaffen Risk and Cardiovascular Health Study, which included 3,310 patients undergoing coronary angiography. To validate their findings, 5,282 participants of the German Diabetes and Dialysis Study, 4D, and of the Cora S4 study, were also analyzed. In Lurik, serum amyloid A concentrations predicted all-cause and cardiovascular mortality. In patients with low levels, higher HDL cholesterol was associated with a lower mortality. By contrast, in patients with high serum amyloid A, higher HDL cholesterol was associated with increased mortality, indicating that serum amyloid A modifies the vascular protective properties of HDL cholesterol. The authors complemented these clinical observations by in vitro experiments in which serum amyloid A impaired vascular functions of lipoprotein. The authors conclude that the acute phase protein serum amyloid A modifies the biological effects of HDLC. The measurement of serum amyloid A is a simple, useful, and clinically applicable surrogate for the vascular functionality of HDL cholesterol. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Alan Fogelman from the University of California, Los Angeles, in the USA. Proliferator-activated receptor alpha, or PPAR-alpha, agonists have been heavily debated as potential therapeutics in patients with lipid and metabolic abnormalities. Fibrate medications weakly stimulate PPAR-alpha and are currently used in patients with dyslipidemia, i.e. those with low HDL cholesterol and elevated triglycerides. The potent and selective agonist of PPAR-alpha LY518674 increases apolipoprotein AI turnover without major effects on apolipoprotein AI or HDL cholesterol levels. In an EHJ brief communication, potent PPAR-alpha agonist treatment increases cholesterol efflux capacity in humans with the metabolic syndrome. Amit Vikram Kira from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, investigated if a PPAR-alpha agonist increases cholesterol efflux capacity, a marker of HDL function. Cholesterol efflux capacity was measured at baseline and after eight weeks in a randomized placebo-controlled trial involving 28 patients with metabolic syndrome treated with either LY518674, 100 micrograms daily, or placebo. Interestingly, LY518674 led to a 16% increase of efflux capacity. Further, the change in APOAI production rate in the active treatment arm was strongly linked to change in cholesterol efflux capacity. The authors conclude that in patients with metabolic syndrome, potent stimulation of PPAR-alpha accelerates apolipoprotein AI turnover and increases 
cholesterol efflux despite no change in HDLC or apolipoprotein AI levels. This reinforces the notion that changes in HDLC levels may poorly predict their functionality, which may have implications for ongoing pharmacologic efforts to enhance apolipoprotein AI metabolism. Ghrelin is a peptide hormone produced by ghrelinergic cells that has many functions in the gastrointestinal tract. It acts as a neuropeptide in the central nervous system, where it regulates appetite and the distribution and rate of energy use. Its role in the cardiovascular system is largely unknown, although it may be involved in the beneficial effects of gastric bypass surgery and may improve progression of myocarditis. In the last fast-track paper of this issue entitled Ghrelin Restores Nitric Oxide Availability in Resistant Circulation of Essential Hypertensive Patients, Role of NADPH Oxidase, Agostino Virdis and colleagues from the University of Pisa in Italy assessed whether or not acute intra-arterial infusion of exogenous ghrelin can improve endothelial dysfunction by restoring nitric oxide availability in the forearm microcirculation of 18 essential hypertensive patients and 18 normotensive controls. In hypertensive patients, but not in normotensive controls, ghrelin normalized the blunted response to acetylcholine, restored the inhibiting effect of NG monomethyl L-arginine, and abrogated the potentiating effect of ascorbic acid on acetylcholine. Further, the effect of ghrelin on endothelial dysfunction was assessed in isolated small arteries obtained from essential hypertensive patients via subcutaneous biopsies in a pressurized myograph system and vascular oxidative stress generation and phosphorylation of P47FOX, an index of NADPH oxidase activation, was measured. Small vessels from hypertensive patients exhibited enhanced oxidative stress, which was strongly and similarly decreased by incubation with ghrelin. The NADPH oxidase inhibitor, GP91DSTAT, or both, Ghrelin also normalized the overexpression of P47 phosphorylation and restored the nitric oxide availability in small vessels from hypertensive patients. Furthermore, ghrelin decreased venous levels of malondialdehyde, lipoperoxide, and interleukin-6, and concomitantly increased endogenous antioxidant capacity in hypertensive patients. Virdis and colleagues therefore conclude that exogenous ghrelin improves endothelial dysfunction by restoring NO availability in the forearm microcirculation of essential hypertensive patients, an effect related to an antioxidant effect via inhibition of NADPH oxidase activation. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.